Good morning. Pretty good morning so far. What do you think, huh? I'm on my second bandana, wiping sweat. Uh, that's a good morning, uh, I guess. But uh, we are so glad that you are here today. We, uh, so many good things are happening. Um, we've had such a good summer. I know I wasn't able to be in here when it was talking about Bryce, um, but she has just done a, a man, a fantastic job. And so we are so blessed to have her, um, blessed to have Lonzo. I mean, he is, Lorenzo, he is just uh, an amazing, amazing guy. And um, I'm just excited to see what's going to happen from here on out uh, for him. And so anyway, but this morning we are still in our series. And I'm going to tell you about this guy. His name is Tom Terrence. Tom Terrence is a guy who spread terror as a, as a member of the, the, the Mississippi's uh, White Knights of the Ku Klux Klan. The FBI called that particular group as, as the, the most dangerous, uh, as, well, sorry, the most violent right-wing terrorist organization in America. And this guy, Tom Terrence, he was said by the FBI as to be the most dangerous man in Mississippi. He, is in, uh, he was involved in some 30 bombings of synagogues and churches and homes of leaders of the, in, 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 uh, the NAACP and Jewish leaders in the community. In fact, in 1968, he was on his way to bomb a house uh, actually, it was a, a Jewish leader uh, in this particular place. And the FBI had come to investigate this Klan group, and, and he was in the midst, and he had this bomb. It turned into a shootout between police, FBI, and, and Tom Terrence and his partner. His partner was killed, shot and killed. He was shot four times at close range, took him to the hospital, and the doctor said if he lives for another 45 minutes, it'll be a miracle. He survived. Tom was sentenced to 30 years to prison in, in Mississippi State Penitentiary. But six months later, he and two other convicts, they escaped. The FBI sent out a SWAT team to go after them. When they found him and caught up to him, once again, it turned bloody. One of the convicts was killed. He was captured along with the other guy. He was brought back and he was put in a very tiny cell. And there he remained in that tiny cell all by himself for three years. I was born in 1971. I was born and raised in Alabama. I heard stories about the civil rights movement that happened in my home state that I love so dearly. And I knew about the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing that killed these four, murdered these four precious girls. I remember hearing about the march on Salem, uh, Salem, Selma, and, and how it turned bloody and how it turned and the things that happened in all of that. I remember seeing pictures of Governor Wallace as he stood there in one of the school, the school door houses at the University of Alabama with his pledge that he had made in his inauguration, which was segregation today, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. 
And, and I, I've wondered as I've gone through the years, how do you get to this point that you hate people? You hate them just because of the color of their skin, just because they're a different nationality, just because they are a different religion. How, how, do, you, how do you come to that point in your life? In fact, that's where I kind of want to begin this morning is the making of a racist. Because Tom Terrence, he was born and raised in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, I know Cheryl Acker right now is thrilled to know that he wasn't just Mississippi. He, he, was, he got his, uh, she's a Mississippi and I'm an Alabamian. Uh, but um, he was born and raised in Mobile, Alabama. And growing up, they had a black maid. The whole family loved him. They thought highly of a black man that worked for um, his dad. Actually, he would come over at times. He would help fix their cars and, and do different things of that sort. He said he didn't even remember the subject of race being brought up as he grew up, not until desegregation of schools. Public schools in Mobile had always been segregated since its founding. That was in 1702. But in 1963, the federal government said, enough is enough. Folks, think about that. It took two, over 250 years before it came to the point they said, we can't segregate people. Many white Alabamians were fearful. They became angry. Tom says that he identified with Governor Wallace and what he called his courage at the time. The rhetoric that he would that he would talk about and and standing up for those who are threatening their way of life and he began reading these various uh, pieces of literature about white supremacists and anti-semitic uh, anti-communist literature being passed around his high school he began to um, associate with those who had those same beliefs Tom was told that the civil rights movement was part of a communist plot. He was told that the U.S. government had been infiltrated by communists. He was told that Christianity and the Constitution were being undermined and that there was a secret Jewish conspiracy that was happening and that's why all of this was going on. And suddenly his anger turned to hate. By the age of 21, he joined the Ku Klux Klan. He aligned himself with Sam Bowers. Sam Bowers is the guy who would kill three civil rights leaders in Philadelphia, Mississippi. You probably, some, many of you, have probably either read the book or you have seen the movie Mississippi Burning. It is, it's based on uh, Sam Bowers and what he had done. You want to know, how do you make a racist? Here it is. Fear, anger, hate. That's the three ingredients that you're going to need. Proverbs says that hatred stirs up strife. It's an emotion that makes you feel superior. You feel self-righteous towards the people that you're hating. Tom will tell you that hate is what led him to the Ku Klux Klan. Hate is what, what led him 
to bomb churches and homes. Hate is the thing that put him in prison. But you already know that this series is about testimony. And you know it's about people who are able to overcome these unbelievable obstacles, these difficulties, these terrible things that they have done in their lives. And they've risen above it and they've become followers of Jesus. I want to talk about the transforming power of prayer and God's word. After Tom was recaptured, he was put in a six by nine cell. Think about that. Six feet by nine feet. He was in there 24 hours a day. He was not let out for years. And in order to keep himself from going crazy, and by the way, he was alone in that prison cell, he started reading books. His first book that he decided to read was Main Camp. You may have heard of it before. It's the 1925 autobiography manifesto of Adolf Hitler. He then moved on. He started reading Plato and Aristotle. And then one day he decided to pick up a Bible and start reading it. But he wasn't picking it up because he was searching for God because he will tell you he believed that he was saved. He had a Bible. And, and years before that, he had used that same Bible to look up passages that he thought might, might uh, um, show what he believed, his, his racist uh, mentality. But there was something that was already going on before he ever picked up his Bible. And when I read this, I was just like, this is, this is awesome. You ready for this? He said, little did I know that God was actually at work in all of this. I would later learn that a group of godly women had been praying weekly for two years that God would draw me to Christ. One of those women was the wife of an FBI agent who had captured Terrence. You Christian women, let me talk to you for a second. Let me just tell you something about your prayer lives. I've seen it for years and 30 years of ministry. And, and you outpray us men generally <laughs> as a whole. I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people that they came to Christ late, late in life. And, and, I've, and I learned about a wife or a sister or a, a group of women at the church who had been praying for that person every single day for years that they would become a Christian. Sisters, don't stop praying. There is a power in prayer. And I'm not just talking to our sisters here. I'm talking to us men too. But generally, you sisters, oh. God has this way of softening the hardest of hearts. God hears you when you pray. And it may not happen right then. It may not happen for years. But God is hearing you. And God will put things along the way that, that hopefully this person will make a decision 
that what they're doing is, is bad and awful and wrong. It's, it's the thing that's led them to hate and anger and fear. It's the thing that, that has caused them to do things that have hurt so many people in their lives. Tom said this, he says, my eyes were being opened to spiritual reality. Now remember, he had read his Bible before, but he was looking for things that he believed. But now he says, my eyes are being opened. He says, it was as if I had been blind all my life. I was now beginning to see. The meaning of the scriptures and their application to me personally was becoming clearer and clearer. I was convinced, convicted of my sins and brought to a place of repentance. That's the power of the word. And it was these words by Jesus that he says haunted him the most. It's when he said, for what will it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? He said, even though he had attended a Southern Baptist church as a child, he realized that he was not a Christian because he had lived his entire life in contradiction to biblical teaching. Finally, one night, all alone in his cell, he gave his broken life to Christ. He said, the next day, God was real to me in a way I had never known. I was spiritually alive and my life began to change. God gave me love. I publicly renounced the clan and hatred. Friendships developed with people who were very different from me. And this has continued ever since. You know, the Bible says of itself that it is living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword that pierces to the very depths of our inner being. This book gives, gets to our very heart, it gets to our soul. It can judge the reader based on uh, uh, the reader on, on what they already know about themselves. This book can make can judge you based on things that you didn't know about yourself. There's a power in it. The Bible also says that those who are hearers of the word are like someone who looks intently in, uh, in, uh, at his natural face into a mirror. In other words, God's word is like a mirror. What does a mirror do? It lets us see who we are. It lets us see ourselves. We see every blemish. We see every hair out of place, for those of you who have that problem. But it, it has that ability to help see the warts and all, right? That's what God's word does. It gives a reflection of what is inside of us. Tom says he narrowly escaped with his life. In fact, he says that he should have died. In fact, he even went to say he deserved to die. And he believed that he was still alive because God had something that he wanted him to do with his life. God had something that he wanted him to serve him in some way or another. After his conversion, this is so cool. 
the FBI agent, his wife, and others who had been targets of his hate, they were instrumental in securing his release after eight years in prison. Tom gets out and he attends the University of Mississippi. He then went on and he studied at a seminary. He moved to Washington, D.C. He became a co-minister in a racially diverse, non-denominational church. He went on to earn a doctorate. Eventually, he became the president of C.S. Lewis Institute. It's a Christian institute. And he did that until 2019 when he retired. But today, he is a soft-spoken, mannerly 75-year-old man who continues to give his testimony of the power of God. We hear Tom's story, man, and we think, wow, and weren't those just terrible times back then? It's easy to think about back then, and we can naively believe that this kind of thing would never happen in our lifetime. But we have to ask ourselves, would we say right now, that our country is internally at peace? Do we hear and talk to people that we hear that they are fearful of what's happening? That they're angry? Do you know some or heard some, read about some who have allowed that anger to turn to hate? Hate for political parties. Hate for politicians. Hate for ethnic groups. Hate for those who think different morally. Hate for people who think differently in opinions. I just decided, let's just look at the last week. This last week here in America. What have we seen? We've seen the FBI raid the home of Donald Trump. We heard about the government wanting to hire 87,000 additional IRS agents. We've heard about Governor DeSantis suspending Hillsborough County State Attorney because that attorney refused to enforce the law when it came to abortion. And speaking of abortion, we still, we still are hearing fear, anger, hate since the overturn of Roe versus Wade. Fear, anger, hate. These are promoted in our news outlets. They are promoted in social media. They are promoted by politicians and political parties. They understand the power of fear. Because if I can make you afraid, anger, anger gets you heard. Even if you have nothing to say, if you say it angrily, people are going to listen. Hate. Hate will get you more clicks 
on social media than stories of love. They just do. And if they can make us believe that we can lose our land, we can lose our money, we can lose our families, we can, we can lose Christianity, we can lose the Constitution, we can lose all of these different things. Man, now you got something. And, and, and these crazy conspiracy theories that we have heard over the last few years, there have been enough of those that, have, that will last me for a lifetime, I can assure you this. But you know what? You stick a label on it. Now we can really get people riled up. These people, these people are communists. They are socialists. These people, they are fascists. They are racist and misogynistic. And there may even be truth to it, but very few people will even do any investigation to find out whether it's true or not. Because what I find is every misleading story and headline, every crazy conspiracy theory, all these kinds of things, they always have a nugget of truth in there, just a nugget of truth, so you'll swallow the whole thing. Because they want us afraid. They want us angry. They want us to hate. Because if they can get us to do it, they can control us. In 2019, I read an interview that Tom Terrence did. That's just a few years ago. It was before all the craziness that happened in 2020. Tom Terrence said that he recognized the same anger that he had in a growing number of young men. He compared the things that are going on in our time to a similar time when he was enticed to join the Ku Klux Klan. In fact, he said, for the first time since the 1960s, he believes extremists, now get that word here, we're not talking about everybody, but extremists feel more emboldened to voice their radical prejudices, not less. And then he gave a warning. He said, people can be seduced by these things when the climate is right. There is no reason that cannot happen again. It's shock, a shocking thought. I think we are seeing things today that should be causing people to ask questions. And if we really sit down and think about it, it was just five years ago, I didn't even realize it had been that long, that we remember the, remember the neo-Nazi group in Charlottesville decided to have their Tiki Torch Parade, which is reminiscent to the Nazis, the racial racist legacy of Nazi Germany, Asian hate, Asian hate crimes rose during the wake of COVID. A few days ago, not years, a few days ago, I read about the violent anti-Semitic threats against Judge Reinhardt. He's the guy who approved the search warrant for um, for Donald Trump's home. His address and personal information went out. Threats have been made not only to him, but to his children. They have been made to other family members and even to the synagogue in which he belongs. They had to cancel their beachside Shabbat service yesterday because of the threats. 
Remember the overturn of Roe versus Wade? Talked about that, right? Same thing was happening. Sending out addresses and personal information about the judges who had made those decisions. One man even showed up to Judge Kavanaugh's home um, and he was fully armed. Tom says there's, o- there's only one solution to what's happening in our culture. There's only one solution to what, who he was and what was happening to people just like him back in the day. You ready for it? It's Christianity. He said people who don't follow Jesus' instructions to love their enemies, to love their neighbor as yourself, they aren't really Christians even if they think they are. Now, the Bible says we should hate. Do you know that? Hate evil. We should hate falsehood. But Paul says we have got to let go of rage and anger and malice. We may not like everything that's going on out there. I'll be the first to tell you I don't. But I cannot harbor hatred. I cannot allow getting angry about sin that's happening in our world to harbor. And I'll be honest, it's hard sometimes. We must never allow the world to divide us as people. James gave a warning. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. I don't know about you, but that's pretty plain. And all this stuff that goes on out there, with all its opinions and all the other stuff, it must never be allowed to divide us. What we need is Christian women and men who are praying for the most hardened people in our world rather than bashing them. What we need to do is show love to people that we disagree with the most. God's Spirit can pierce the most hardened of hearts. This book is just as powerful today in 2022 as it was in 1970 when Tom Terrence picked it up and it led to his conversion. It's just as powerful But we have got to approach these pages with humility. We've got to take our mirror with us to look at ourselves rather than looking for ways to show how everybody else is wrong. Listen, don't let the world and its fear-mongering distract you from the love and the mercy of God. Don't allow it to harden your heart toward people who are different than you. We belong to the kingdom of God. It's made up of every race, every tribe and nation on earth. Jesus Christ is our king, not a politician. God's word is our truth not the Constitution, not our favorite news sites. 
the love of God and the love of neighbor, Jesus said, are the two most important commandments, not hate. Not hate for those that we believe are a threat to us in our way of life. Jesus is our life. And no one, no one, not the FBI, not the IRS, not the President of the United States, not communism, socialism, racism, anti-Semiticism, sexism, ageism, classism, atheism, or paganism can separate us from the love of Christ. But if you allow your heart to be filled with fear and anger and hate, there is no room for love. Jesus gave every drop of his blood. He gave every beat of his heart. He gave every, every ounce of God's wrath and absorbed it for people who hated him. And then he turned around and he says to those who are going to be my disciples, he says, follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Because that's how you change people. That's how you change yourself. That's how a culture changes. Not these other ways. See, we've had the solution all along. We just got to spread the love. Well, how do you know that? Testimony. Testimony. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this day and we just give you praise and thanksgiving for all that you have done for us. In our times of sinfulness, in our times when we've had the wrong thoughts, when we acted in a wrong way, Father, forgive us when we get caught up in the world. Forgive us, Father, when we become divided with one another, your own people. Father, forgive us when, when we we're not loving to our neighbors who are different than us. Father, forgive us. And Father, just allow your love to just, just exude from us, just flow out of us in a way that people just they can't mistake it. They know this is something different than anything they see in this world. Father, I pray that your word will continue to pierce the heart. I pray it will continue to help us to see ourselves and to bring us to repentance, to bring us to your son who only wants to heal and to save. I'm so thankful for this church, Father. While we're not perfect, I thank you, Father, that we can be your light in our community. I'm so thankful for Lorenzo and what he's done here this morning. That you, what you've done, Father, in saving his soul. It's just as you saved ours. Father, we're so grateful to see the new creation just continue to expand right here in our own culture, right here in our own community of people. And Father, we just pray it continues. Father, we just pray for our world. We pray for our, our political leaders. We pray for the people we encounter every day. Father, just help us to be a light, a light in the darkness. 
And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.